Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. You can spare one minute to listen. When Bryn came in, I had a viewing, an aura, and a bull ripping roses from around its neck, and none of it matters except the aura. I didn't even really understand it, but more than anything else. How much did you understand? If you want to stay alive, you had better stay close to him. Despite the heat, Min shivered. She'd only ever had one other viewing with an if in it, and both had been potentially deadly. It was bad enough, sometimes knowing what would happen, if she started knowing what might. All I know is this. If he stays close to you, you live. If he gets too far away, for too long, you are going to die. Both of you. I don't know why I should have seen anything about you in his aura, but you seemed like part of it. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 27 to 33 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 33, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 33, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonmount.com. Swan attempts to take charge of the Saladar Aes Sedai and is slapped down. She offers her knowledge of the Blue Aja's eyes and ears and claims that the Red Aja set up Loghain as a false dragon. Swan and Lyanna convince Sherium's group they need their own Amaralyn and that they should send a messenger to search for Rand and the Aeol Waste. Gareth Bryn, having tracked Swan all the way to Saladar, is talked into gathering an army for the Saladar Aes Sedai. He confronts Swan about her oath. Swan will continue to work off her debt for as long as Bryn stays with the Aes Sedai. Min has a viewing that Swan will have to stay close to Gareth Bryn if she wants to live. Dark friend and peddler Hadnan Kadir receives a note from a fellow dark friend. He believes the author to be a maiden of the spear. Kadir is visited by Isendra, who refuses to try sneaking up to Rand's bed anymore since the maidens shaved her. Deciding Isendra is of no further use to him, Kadir murders Isendra and disposes of the body. A party of tyrants, led by Estian, has fought their way out of besieged Kyrian to ask Rand for help against the Shido, who have burned the foregate but not yet taken the city. The Kyrianan lords with Estian swear fealty to Rand in gratitude for his aid. Rand learns that a fiftieth of the wealth of Tyr belongs to him by right of conquest. Rand returns to his rooms and finds Avienda naked, bathing herself. Startled, she flees through a gateway into a blizzard. Rand follows with blankets, blocking Avienda's gateway open. He drags Avienda out of a frozen lake and builds a shelter out of the snow using Sidene. Avienda wakes to find Rand warming her with his own body and consummates her unspoken love for him. Afterward, Rand insists that they must be married, but Avienda takes a more cavalier attitude, claiming that the event will not be repeated. Rand and Avienda head back to the gateway, but are confronted by a Shanchan patrol. Avienda attempts to free the patrol's Damane, but cannot undo the Adam. They flee back to Kyrian, where Asmodian has been covering for their disappearance. Rand keeps the shortened spear the patrol threw at them to remind himself that the Shanchan will return eventually. Valen Luca tries to convince Nynaeve to wear a revealing dress, while Tom throws knives at her for the audience. Aludra, the former Illuminator, gives Nynaeve some of her experimental fire sticks. Nynaeve has been fighting with various circus women, partly over Luca's infatuation with her. Elaine has been studying the Shanchan Adam, hoping she can learn to make Turangriol. 
Okay, can we just talk about how Dragon Mount put the section with Avienda and Rand as consummates her unspoken love for him? Yup. I mean, you had been thinking that for a while. I know. I'm. T- it's correct. <laughs> consummates. Uh, well, they they slept they, together. They do sleep together. I just it. They it, have some fun times in an igloo. They do have some fun times in an igloo. And the really funny thing is. In the book canon, Rand's a virgin up to this point. Yep. <laughs> Good job, Avienda. Good I job, guess. Avienda. In the show, it's different. In the, In show, the show, obviously, Rand and Egwene fuck. Yeah. But. I still think that the Rand, I slept with this person, now I have to propose thing will still be able to hold true in the show because, like, sweet summer boy. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I guess, yeah, in the show. Because he was engaged like, to Egwene. engaged, yeah. I just, I guess I'm just laughing at the phrasing of consummates her unspoken yes. love for him. That's very fair. But we will get into that uh, a bit more in depth after we get through some of the other stuff. Because Yes, there's actually important <clears throat> plot things that happen in this section. Yeah, this is not a nothing section. No. We pick up with Swan. Where we ended last time, Swan had just kind of arrived in Saladar. And revealed herself to the rebel Aes Sedai. They're kind of, they're very disorganized. They are very disorganized. And I guess in this section, what is proposed, they will no longer be the rebel Aes Sedai. Mm, well, they will still be rebel Aes Sedai because they're not in the White Tower. They'll just be... Are, are, can you really be rebels if what you're saying is that you were overthrown and forced out by someone staging a coup. Yeah, you you definitely can be. Again, Elida has the tower. Yeah, but she only has the Red Aja, basically. Well, she's got other Aes Sedai who are loyal to the tower and not to her or the Amarillin. Yeah, that's fair, but the tower uh, they, is a they're, building. They're correct. The tower is a seat of power. The rebels are correct in their rebellion, I think. You know, the part of there's a little bit of ambiguity here, because, like, Swan is definitely not totally in the right, but Elida's way off, and the Saladar Aes Sedai are making a lot of sense. They are. <laughs> but they are also rebelling. They're just rebelling against a really shit Amarlin who misled them and skirted around the spirit of the law to make it happen. Yeah, she didn't, like, I can see why they would want to depose Swan. She was being and even, more crafty than even an Aes Sedai yeah. should be. And even here, with a bunch of Aes Sedai who are ostensibly her allies, if she hadn't been stilled, they would probably be recognizing her as Amarlin. If, you know, they're her allies, or they should be her allies, and they're like, you took things too far, Swan. Like, we wouldn't have deposed you, but we would have tried to give you a talking to as best we could right. because you you would still be the Amarlin. Like, you took things too far. And that is fair. She did take things <clears throat> too far, at least in terms of how the Aes Sedai structure works. I think in the grand scheme of saving the world, she didn't take things too far. Yeah. Her and, and Maureen is... are... That's... Her and Maureen are kind of anti-heroes in that sense. A little bit. They're, they're very much... They're going to do what they need to do kind of morality and legality aside. Right. And so these Aes Sedai that escaped the tower, like, they they would have had a point in, if they wanted to depose Swan. Yeah. However, Elida went against how they would do that properly in order to do so. Right. The rest of these Aes Sedai that are sort of her allies, even though she's no, uh, no longer 
and Aes Sedai is no longer the Amerlin. They, if they were to depose her, they would have gone through the proper channels. They would have yeah. done it how you're supposed to do it. And then right. they would have been in the right. Because they followed, at least in terms of Aes Sedai culture, they would have been in the right because they did things how they were supposed to. Elida yeah. basically well, did sort of the same thing as Swan. And what we know and they don't necessarily know is that the Black Aja was involved in deposing Swan. Yeah. Who's to say how many of the sitters that sided with Elida? Like, we know Alviarin is Black Aja. We know the Keeper of the Chronicles yeah. is Black. Who's to say that some of the sitters that they pulled together aren't? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a good portion of the eyes that I left in the tower are actually Black Aja trying Elida, to... Yeah, Elida, one of the things that the Saladar eyes that I don't like is that Elida held a secret meeting with the bare minimum number of sitters. To, in order to right. get rid of Swan. And she was being as shady as Swan is as Amarlin. Shadier. Shadier. I think. I can, I can see an argument for someone who's not involved in the right or wrong of this thinking it's the same. I can see that argument, too. If I'm just, like, a random-ass eyes that I, I can yeah. kind of see, okay, both of them are being shady. I don't even know who's right or who's wrong or who's yeah. on the side of good or who's on the side of evil. I think the only difference is that as Amarlin, Swan absolutely had the authority to do what she was doing and keeping things secret. It just maybe wasn't the right thing to do. But also, it we know as readers that it definitely was the right thing to do. She should not have gone to the hall of the tower with Rand. No. She she her, her biggest fault in the eyes of the hall is letting Rand run free and she knows that he had to do that. Right, cuz they would have tried to steal him. They would have th- thought he was a false dragon and they would right. have tried or, to steal him or, they, or... E- even if they didn't think he was a false dragon, they would have just kept him locked up in the tower for everybody's safety and not let him do the things that the dragon needs to do. Go to <laughs> the waste and gather right. the I- gather the Aiel, gather all of the forces. Swan and Moraine are in the right morally in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Not in terms of how Aes and I are supposed to work. Right. And the the other thing about this that I find particularly interesting is that we have, like, two kind of opposing Amarlins here, right? We've got Swan and Elida. And kind of the thing that you can fault both of them with is being too either blue or red. Swan was Amarlin, who's supposed to be of all of the Ajas and none, and was still acting as a blue. Yep. Elida is thinking as if she is nothing but a red. And neither is really truly being the Amarlin seat. And I also think it's interesting that, you know, when we were in Nynaeve's point of view, when they were inside the dream world mm-hmm. and they saw Elida as Amarlin, she said, like, I, this has to be some dream of Elida's because there's no blue in her stole. Yeah. And when we are talking with these rebel Aes Sedai, they are like, maybe there won't be a red Aja after this. So it. It, yeah. It's kind of the same. They're both thinking that they're going to be able to get rid of each Aja. Right. And both Ajas, I think the red needs more significant reforming than the blue. And we've been we've been shown how the red maybe does because for the most part, we have. Uh, you don't think Elida is Black Aja, but every single red we've met so far has been Black Aja. And that's why I don't necessarily know that they actually need to be reformed. They just need to be cleansed. They just need to be cleansed. Because yeah. we don't we have not met a group of reds that we don't suspect to be 
Black Aja. That's very I don't, true. The only red that I've met that I am pretty confident in saying is not Black Aja is Elida. Yeah. Because we get in her head and she just is be unless she doesn't know she's Black Aja somehow, unless she's got like a <laughs> dual personality, only one of them is Black Aja. She's so self-centered that she doesn't she just doesn't think about it. Yeah, I just don't think that that's she's fair. Black Aja. And so that's the only red that we've met. Now, if that is the example of the Reds, maybe they do kind of need to be yeah. reformed a and little there's bit. And a, there's a definite need for the Red Aja, right? Like, the Red Aja is the Aja that makes sure that people like Loghain or Mazrum Tame don't go on rampages <laughs> and destroy the world again. Except, are they? Because we learn in this section that the Red Aja set Loghain up to be a false dragon. Do we learn that? I believe it, to be honest. It's a very believable thing to say. Especially when the worst Red Aja person was still Red Aja at the time. That's true. Counterpoint, this book has gone through lengths to explain that Swan can lie. That's true. I just... And wouldn't... she's willing to lie for revenge. I wouldn't put it past Leandrin, though. To I wouldn't put it past Leandrin either. It sounds like... I don't know that... I, I, I don't know if we have confirmation either way at this point. Whether or not it's true. There's definitely some coaching on Swan's part with Loghain. And, like, Loghain seems to have believed this happened to him. And so I don't necessarily know that Swan would have been able to convince him so easily of that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's some truth to it. Yeah, totally. That is one of the things that they talk about in... Saladar. They talk about a few things. We, we already kind of talked about the, the, I guess, growing schism. Every blue is in Saladar. No reds are in Saladar. Most of the greens yeah. are in Saladar. And they have, Liana suggests to have someone else be voted Armalyn so that they can yeah. kind of portray the red as being usurpers of the tower. Right. And, and that's that this something, is the true Armalyn. Right. And that's something that the Saladar I said I had basically not even really been considering because they're like, we can't name an Amarillin or because the tower will actually be broken then. And Swan basically like slaps them with words. It's like the tower is broken. Pretending like it's not won't make it so. And she's right. The tower is broken. She's absolutely right. The tower is broken. She's saying that to try to be Amarillin herself, which is kind of weird. And they do remind her, like, you both cannot assume your old places. Right. Neither of you are Aes Sedai anymore. Like, you are young children now and Swan's like I still have all of my memories I can right. still be of use to you I get that I'm, I'm trying to get that I'm not an Aes Sedai anymore yeah. but please use me yeah well because Swan needs this to stay alive yeah Liana's been trying to figure it out on her own I think she wants revenge and I think she will or I don't necessarily think Liana wants revenge as much as she wants to be of help she wants to be of service to something, and this is the thing that she's being in service to at yeah. the moment. It gives her purpose, but she's not consumed with this rage that Swan is, and that's no. why I think that like once everything settles down, assuming Swan and Liana make it out of the last battle, Liana's more likely to be able to live longer than Swan once that's fair. They're, once their kind of mission is complete. Yeah. She's trying to find other things to... Yeah. She's trying to spread out the things that keep her sane. Yes. It kind of reminds me we were watching Schitt's Creek and Moira's like, if I start combining all of the things 
that keep me going. I'm going to run out of things to be excited about. Yeah. And that's where, I feel like that's where Liana is. is She's trying to find several things to keep her going. So that in case one falls out. Yeah. She doesn't, she's not totally screwed. Totally, totally. And if Swan doesn't get to try to help with this, she's she's just going to fall apart. Yeah. As fucked as poor Logan is right now. He hasn't spoken in like weeks. Yeah, Logan's having a real tough time. Makes sense. He was gentled. Yep. And whatever was holding him together when he escaped is no longer doing so. Yeah. He's having a bad time. He is. One of the other things that comes out of this is that Swan basically offers to, like, run the eyes and ears, like, the network of spies for the Saladar eyes that I, because she still has all of her old contacts. And some of them don't know who those contacts are. They're like, I guess you are one of the only people who knows who every single eyes and ears are. And she used to run the blue network, and we've established that the blues have the widest network of these. Yeah. And even, like, Anaya, who is, like, a sitter for the blue, was surprised at that. Yeah. So, and I think that having her be in charge of the eyes and ears is not necessarily a bad idea. No, I don't think so either. I think... She's clearly too good at it. Though, which is, it's like a little bit of a risk because she's too good at it. That's what got her in trouble in the first place. That is true. I think, though, in terms of, you know, the world is viewing and learning that the White Tower is broken. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like, if I was an eyes and ears mm-hmm. and I have learned that the tower is broken because the Reds and I'm learning that Black Aja exist, I'm not going to trust an eyes and eye that comes near me as much as I would have before. That's fair. So I having know... someone who's not an Aes Sedai come to me and be like, I am working with them. I don't know that the world knows the Black Aja exists. We know because we deal with it a lot, but they're not making that public knowledge. That's Moraine, true. even Moraine assumes the Black Aja exists. She hasn't seen proof as far as we know. That's true. So it's really, and like Swan has sort of seen proof in that like the girls have told her. And I think more, I think Moraine knows. For Moraine, as... Moraine is assuming they exist. Does she not know about the 13 that uh, escaped that Egwene and... How would she? Oh, I guess, I guess, no, no, yes, she does she know. Does she does know was, that. She was helping interrogate them in tier. Yeah, so, so she, she knows. Does know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. It's book five. Yeah, there's a lot of things. I've read starting. this book, I've read this series so many times that I still, they all run together at some point. They're starting to run together for me, too. Yeah, this feels a lot like a, a continuation of book four. It does, and I was trying to write a little review for my blog for book four, and I had to, like, read a couple of reviews on Goodreads to figure out where the book ended. (laughs) Because I was like, where did book five start? Yeah. And... I could give you a really good description of a lot of books in this series, but definitely not all of them. I do not remember, like, large parts of book eight. Book seven's pretty memorable. Book nine is pretty memorable. Ten is, like, why? Eleven, yeah, it's really just, like, eight, like, the middle bits of seven... All of eight, the beginning of nine, all of ten, middle bits of eleven. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen are all pretty memorable because there's a big shift because it's when Brandon Sanderson picks them up. Brandon but yeah, Sanderson. they start to run to start to run together. All the stuff that is kind of continuing from last book and this book is running together for me. Yes. Since we have not seen Perrin yet, I know for we a haven't. fact everything of Perrin in my memory was from book four. Yes. 
Because yes. we haven't seen Baby Perrin yet. No, and I don't think he shows up in this book. I am very upset about this because... <laughs> That's very fair. One, I love Perrin and Fael, and they were a big part of why I liked the last book so much. But do you know who else is with Perrin right now? Loyal. Loyal. And if we don't get Perrin, unless Loyal just shows up somewhere, yeah. we are not going to get our best friend. No, it's it's sad. This is definitely the start of not all of the main characters are in all of the books. Outraged. I guess book three is maybe actually the start of that because Rand is barely in it, but Rand's actually in it. Perrin's not really in this book. And Rand is talked about a lot. We see yes. the effects of Rand's storyline. We just don't get it in his point of view. Right. We're, we've gotten maybe a couple mentions of Perrin and they're all like, I wonder what Perrin's doing. Yeah. Like, Egwene hasn't even really seen him in her dreams. <laughs> no, it's just clearly not relevant to this book. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Are we just going to get, like, because clearly time is still moving on. So unless the next book we get some, like, weird backshift of, like, right after the battle, there's going to be, like, a good four months skipped in Perrin and Fael's life? I think so. What the fuck's going to happen? <laughs> Are we just going to show up in book six and Feigl's going to be, like, pregnant or something? <laughs> that would be something. I mean, they're, they're just hanging out in the two rivers. What else are they doing? I, they, they defeated Trollocs. That's true. And he's Lord Perrin now. He is. Maybe they'll have to deal with Gabriel. Because they're considering it to be rebellion. Oh, that's true. And they still have uh, Slayer and Luke to deal with. Yep. Slayer, Luke, same person. That's fair. They're the same. Yeah. They shared a wound from the dream world. Yeah, they're the same person. <laughs> Very fair. But yeah. unfortunately, this is not a parent section. No, this is a, a few different characters. We're, we're really jumping around. But speaking one of last, Gabriel, though. Yes, Gareth Bryn shows back up. But before that, actually, even the, the one thing that we have not touched on in the swan bit is that they suggest that whoever they raise to be Amarlin of the Saladar Aes Sedai should be a sister who was not in the tower. During the split. And I yep. think that's very smart. Oh, yeah. 100%. I just wonder, <clears throat> does Swan... Because she tells Liana to be the one to suggest this. Yeah. And she tells Liana to suggest electing a new Amerlin because she doesn't think that the Aes Sedai are going to listen to her if she suggests it. Yeah. Which, fair. But I wonder if she had a person in mind for this when she suggested it, or if this was yeah. just a... This is a good idea. I don't know who we should pick. And if she did have someone in mind, I can only think of four people okay. that she would think that she knows are out of the tower, that she knows aren't Black Aja. Sure. That aren't, that are, would be able to be Ermelin. Moraine. Yeah. And if she thinks that Moraine being Ermelin is a good idea, then clearly being still <laughs> has messed with her logic because that is a bad idea. One, I do, she knows Moraine wouldn't want this. And two... That doesn't mean she would make a good Amarlin. I think she wouldn't make a good Amarlin for other she reasons. She would just make a bad Amarlin. She's too blue. She's too blue. And that she would just meet the same fate as Swan. Because and the rest of the tower doesn't necessarily trust Moraine. Also, just pulling in some show logic. They, they had Moraine banished from the tower permanently. If the showrunners knew that at some point... Moraine would be put in place as Amarlin, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have decided to make that change. It could be a, you know, that, that change could work. I, I obviously know what happens. That's the podcast. Um, it could be a, you know, thing where they are suggesting Moraine as Amarlin because there's no way she, um, uh, Moraine could have picked a side here. Swan banished her. She is 
so totally independent, she literally swore an oath to not be in the tower during this split. Let's bring her back and put her back in charge. That actually is a good point. I still don't think Moraine is the person that should That's be Emerlin. And I don't necessarily think that Swan would think that Moraine would be good either. Very fair. So Moraine is more effective being able to go and do whatever Moraine is doing yes. than it is being put as a figurehead and stuck in Saladar. Because the Emerlin doesn't really leave where the tower is. And what they're trying to do is frame Saladar as the new tower. Yeah. The other three people that she could be thinking of that aren't Black Aja and she knows for a fact are Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine. All accepted. All accepted. They're not Aes Sedai. However, like, that would be a weird power move. Just like, I'm going to raise one of you from accepted and then immediately make you Amarillyn. <laughs> and I can actually see the logic between that or behind that. Sure. Which, if you had to pick one of the three, which one would you pick? I And I, I lean towards Egwene. And I don't think that, I don't necessarily think that Swan thought of any of those three either. Okay. But we do still have that dream that Egwene had of her being Amarlin without having taken the oaths. Yeah. And it's just kind of lingering in my brain of like, what That's could that true. mean? If they, if they, is it literal or is it? If they raised her to Aes Sedai, they don't have the oath rod. That's true. They they could make her Aes Sedai and she wouldn't be able to swear the oaths. Because they don't have the oath rod. Right. Unless someone grabbed it before they left. That's possible. There's a lot of chaos. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, Elaine thinks that she can make Tur angry all now. So maybe she could make, makes one. make a new oath rod. Yeah. That's possible. Interesting. Uh, I think... I don't necessarily think that dream was literal. Yeah, I, but it is still percolating. <laughs> there is a lot. There are a lot of things I cannot say about this situation, <laughs> so I have to pick my words very carefully here. I think of the three of them, Elaine is maybe the best suited. She has experience, you know, in the halls of power. She does. She has the a better temperament for it than she either. She does. Uh, Egwene, who, you know, does some really fucked up shit to Nynaeve, or Nynaeve, who, please no, don't make her Amarillyn. I don't think Nynaeve would want to be Amarillyn anyway. She, she barely want wants to be Aes Sedai. Yeah. She's... She would not want to be Amarillyn, and also she just doesn't have the temper to be Amarillyn. No. She would be literally switching sitters in the hall. Boxing their ears yep. and making them drink gross tea. <clears throat> yep. And so of the three of them, Elaine has the best temperament. But... And, but she's going to be Queen of Andor one day. Yeah, it, she's just not a fit. So I don't necessarily think that Swan had an idea of who. You just think, yeah. If she did, those are the four options. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Gareth Bryn, who shows up. Yes. He shows up looking for Mara. Yep. And then he gets kind of a shock when he's like, oh, shit, she's Aes Sedai. No, she's not Aes Sedai. Wait, she's Swan Sanche? And they have this conversation, and I still can't figure out if Gareth Bryn is attracted to Swan or not. Like, does he have a crush on her, or is he just weirdly fascinated? And is that weird fascination because he could place her but couldn't place her? And now that he knows who she is, is that going to go away? I don't know. There's, like, a weird connection there. Or is it because of Min's vision? Who knows? That there is some sort of Taviran-y thing. Not really Taviran. Not really Taviran-y, but, like, the power... The, the, the wheel is weaving them together and yeah. just drawing them together because they need to be near each other. And so Gareth Brent has this unexplained fascination with Swan because the pattern needs him to 
in order for them to get together. Could be. And not get together in like the romantic way, but get together in the we can't leave each other's side or else we die way. Right. Min does have a vision that they need to stay near each other or else both of them die. Yep. They can't be too far apart for too long. Yeah. And it's not... That is a separate aura. We get two kind of things around Bryn. She's like, I saw a bull ripping roses from around its neck. I didn't understand that. I barely understood what else I saw, but I did sort of understand this. Yeah. And so the Bryn and Swan needing to stay near each other is not related to the bull and the roses thing from how I read it. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And so we kind of got two. One that we know what it means. Yeah. And... And... That vision is interesting. We'll get back to the other Gareth Bryn stuff in a moment. But the the vision is interesting because Min says that she rarely ever sees visions with an if. Yeah, she's only ever gotten one other if. And I, both of them were deadly scenarios. And I think yeah. that's the Gawain and Egwene stuff. What Gawain and Egwene stuff? She saw Gawain either killing Egwene or kneeling at her feet. Ah, yeah, okay. And I feel like that could be an if. That could be an if. That one read more like she didn't know how to interpret it. I remember it being, it kept rapidly flipping between the two, so it could have been either. Hmm. I, I think that and was... It was... And it was fuzzy, so she wasn't concrete that one of them was even going to happen. Yeah. And it, and it shook her, because just like this vision with Bryn shakes her. Because she's like, it's already crappy enough knowing what will happen, but knowing what might. That's true. She would have a real bad time if she was constantly seeing potential futures. Yeah. Have some Paul Atreides syndrome going on there. Yeah. Dune. I saw several reviews mentioning the likeness to Dune. So you are not the only person. Oh, of course I'm not. (laughs) It's just funny. It's It's a thing. Yeah. It's a big, big thing. The Aiel are the Fremen. The Aiel are the Fremen. We'll just have Zendaya walking around in the show as background Aiel. I mean, I'd be okay with Zendaya being in real time. So would I. That'd be weird, but cool. Yeah, I'd dig it. Yeah. But back to Gareth Bryn. Aside from it kind of being cemented that really just Swan is going to pay off the debts. Like, it, it really comes off as like Liana, whatever. Min, whatever. Like, they have to pay off their debts, but they're punishing Swan the most. Because yes. the Aes Sedai are like... You will serve Gareth Bryn while he's here, but that doesn't count towards your debt to him. So No, it does. No. She said that it doesn't. Mm. She's like, no, the Aes Sedai are already punishing me for breaking <laughs> my oath. I'm not getting out of it. They said that any hours I put towards serving you now do not count towards my debt. Ah, okay. I so missed, I missed that part. You I thought, don't need to I thought punish every, me more. I thought every time she worked for Gareth Bryn was paying off her debt. No. But she's working for Gareth Bryn. Well, sort of. She's making Min do his laundry instead. Which, well, because like, she, Min also has a debt to pay. Yeah, but like, girl, you were told to wash his clothes. You do it. Yeah. And Min, you gotta stand up for yourself a little bit. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be attached to the Dragon Reborn, Min you gotta is, get a bit of a spine. Min is not planning on sticking around. That is one thing from here. She's like, okay, I'm here. Now it's time to go. Yeah, she's like, how can I sneak away? I need to get to Rand. Yeah. And these people have to let me. He's the fucking dragon. Right. So Swan is working for Gareth Bryn. That's kind of where all the aura stuff comes in. But the other thing with Gareth Bryn is that they kind of like rope him into leading their army. He like shows up chasing Swan and then ends up leading an army. 
Yeah, because like, we need an army if we're going to attack on, if we're going to go to Tarvalin. And I think it's one of the warders that's like, well, Gareth Bryn. He's a great captain. There are only five of those left. Yeah, and he, they're like, he's got no attachments right now. Right. So, like, go warders for... Yeah. It's one of those moments we don't necessarily see a lot of warders actually demonstrating anything other than I am strong and I know how to use weapons and I kill yeah. Trollocs and Murdral. Yep. We see Lan do it a lot. He's got a mind for this stuff. I mean, he was yeah. also going to be king. So yeah. like, he's he was he's got the mind for logic and leading. And we saw a little bit. From Alana's warders? Yeah. Yeah. We just haven't spent that much time around warders that aren't land, basically. Yeah. We also saw it from our favorite warder. Tomas? Yeah, Tomas. Justice for Justice Tomas. Justice for Tomas. But we're seeing these warders also kind of yeah. figure out, like, all right, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, I'll let the eyes that I stuff go to you. But if we are going to march on the tower, we're going to need more than y'all. Right. And so. they do talk Gareth right into it. He does have some conditions, though. Yes. He b- says that I will do what you ask me to do. I get to decide how we do it. Yes, you can tell me what the outcome must be. I'm going to make all of the plans of how we get there. Right. You have to commit to it. <laughs> He's like, I'm putting a noose around my neck. Right. I, I have forfeit my life if I if I do this. You have to commit with me or else I'm not going to do it. And then the third thing, which is the fucking smartest thing anybody has ever said to an Aes Sedai, is you do not give the troops orders. You tell me what you want the troops to do, and I pass it along the chain of command. You do not go to the troops individually. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, or else the fucking hall would give three different units six different commands each, and they would not know what to do and do conflicting things and... Just that that's how you lose a war. That is how you lose a war. You give a bunch of your information to the guy who's got the mind and the power and the logic for doing this thing. Yeah. And he figures out which troops should do which. Yep. And then he doesn't tell each troop what other troops are doing. You just right. give one order and that's it. Yeah. Because you don't want to confuse them. Yep. And, you know, I, I some of this is definitely Gareth Brynn is used to dealing with more gays. Yeah. Who, like, has to have nearly as strong a will as any other I said I, yep. or really as any I said I. She's he also I. knows Elida. He knows Elida, yeah. And he's like, that's kind of one of the things that sinks it in. He's like, oh, you're going to march against Elida? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I hate her. Yeah, she's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst. <laughs> like, I am tired of dealing with that bitch. So, yeah, I'll march towards Tarvalin. Yep, yep. So that, that is most of the stuff in Saladar. We, this kind of has four subsections, really three with an interstitial bit. We've got kind of two things going on with Rand. There are two things there's going a, there's on. There's the plot stuff, and then, and then there's, there's the, the stuff, plot I, stuff. And then there's the stuff I care about. Yeah. So, but in between Saladar and Kyrian, because we're now in Kyrian, we're not in the desert anymore. Nope. We get a little bit from Hadnan Kadir. Okay. I was like, why are we getting this section? When I was writing my notes, I was just like, Kadir? Yeah. And then he gets, he does some murder. That's he does a murder. He he does a really fucked up murder. Too. Yeah. So what the note that he gets is arguably the more important thing. But the later <laughs> bit we'll talk about first with Asendra, where Asendra comes to him like crying because the maidens have shaved her. She keeps trying to get in Naran's bed, and finally they're like, nah. And so they shave her everywhere. Yeah. Like shave off her hair, do everything. Yep. 
And she's like, I can't even go to Natale right now because he's not going to want to sleep with me. Right. She's been sleeping with Natale, trying to get information out of him. Natale has basically made himself out to be, like, the biggest dark friend of all the dark friends, which isn't far from the truth. No, it's not. He kind of is the biggest. He kind of is. The Forsaken are dark friends. Yeah, but they, they're they not they're not friends of the dark. They are chosen. That's what they call themselves. That's what the dark friends call them. Yeah. The dark. They have talked to the dark one. Yes, they have. No other random dark friend with the exception of maybe Padden Fane. And he's not a dark friend anymore. Yeah. I feel like he is sort of a Forsaken, except he can't channel. Very interesting. Like, he's got weird powers. <laughs> That's true. He's kind of a new f- type of Forsaken. Very interesting. Although he does want revenge against the Dark One. So does Lanfear. Well, Lanfear doesn't want revenge against the Dark One. She, she wants, wants freedom. She wants to defeat the Dark One so that she and Rand can rule forever. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> Neither of them are loyal to the Dark One. That's true. Lanfear is definitely loyal like to herself. Padden Fane is same thing, different font when it comes to the Forsaken. I disagree, but I, you do have a point. Which is that he he is kind of similar. He's like this other level of evil. Yeah. I, he's not aligned with the Dark One, though. The Forsaken, even Lanfear at the moment, is aligned with the Dark One. Sort of. And I guess technically Asmodian is still as well. Although, is he really? Because Isandra's like, I'm not even getting any information from him. Why do right. I have to keep sleeping? All he, do- all he wants to do is fuck. Uh, okay, Asmodian, I guess. And so, like, he's not giving her information on Rand when he could be. He could be. And so, is he, like... Well, he's probably scared of Lanfear. He's scared of Lanfear, Or Other Forsaken. He doesn't know that they're not working for Other Forsaken. That's true. I just think that, like, he still, if he was really wanting to be aligned with the Dark Friends still... He would find ways to just give little bits of information. Yeah, and he does later hide the gateway. Yeah, so. Yeah. I think but he's a, uh, that's why, like, Asmodian is, like, he is. He's, like, the 13th worst Forsaken. 13th worst is another way of saying what I was going to say. It's, like, the, the the best of the Forsaken. Yeah. I think 13th worst is. That's the better way that's to put it. That's the better way of putting it. He's still definitely tricking Isendra to fuck her a lot. I mean, she's also awful she's, and is doing the same thing. Yeah, so it's not like it's not what's happening or what was happening to Morgaze, where right. she's being tricked into doing this. She was trying to trick him, and so they're just kind of tricking each other. Yeah, and so it's kind of a consensual. She is neither. using she is using sex as a weapon, and he's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> if you want to do that, sure. Yeah, he's not coercing her in any way. Right. To, I mean, technically, Kadir is coercing her. Yeah. And but anyway, so I, I send her comes back. She has tried one too many times to sleep with Rand, and the maidens have had enough and shaved her. She's already wearing like full black robes. It's itchy. Right. She's she's it's like full black robes. All the jewelry is on underneath. Yep. So she's got like bare metal on her skin. Yep. All over the place. And Kadir's like, you could take that off. Like nobody'll see you. Knowing full well she's completely naked under there. Yeah. And then she takes her, like, headscarf off and she's full-ass bald. Yep. And then he's like, oh, hold on. I'll get you a wig. And then chokes her to death. Yeah. It's like, I sort of felt bad for her a little bit when she got shaved. 
just because, like, oh, that's rough. Yeah. But also, she's a dark friend, so, like, kind of asking for it. Yeah, she should have stopped. She should have stopped. Well before it got to that point. Yeah. She was given very pointed warnings. She was, and they just followed through. And Right. Like, but, yeah, he so Kadir chokes Isandra and then starts dismembering her body to hide it. Yep. And all the while thinking of his sister, who yep. he probably also murdered based on He her. did. Okay. He's like, she found out, so I had to kill her. I wish I could still be with her. Yeah. She was she was like, the only person who was actually nice to me. But he killed her and now he's like it it's some real criminal like real criminal minds vibes. Oh yeah. Like I got Real criminal vibes. At least he, in defense of Kadir, just not really in defense. Like, there's nothing, like, he's not deranged. Oh, no, I think he's deranged. Oh, he's a dark friend. He's somewhat deranged. But, like, he's not killing out of compulsion. He's killing with function. There's something pathological with it, though. If he's, if he seems to have a ritual. Because he, like, he's got. he's just done it. He's a dark friend. I think he's murdered before. I don't know. I feel like... Well, he's definitely murdered before. He murdered his sister. I Anyway, it just it strikes me as much more functional than compulsory. Putting on my criminal minds hat, he's using him being a dark friend as an excuse to fund his murders, basically. Sort of, yeah. He's got... He's singing a weird song. He's getting delight out of cutting her up. It's just creepy. And yeah. Well, Kadir's creepy. He's... I know that. He's, he profiles as <laughs> a uh, fucked up dude. Yes. <laughs> it's time to deliver the profile. He's, He's fucked, fucked up. up. <laughs> Great. Where the Kadir section starts, and what is maybe the more interesting thing is, he gets a note from another dark friend. It's in code. Yep. It says something about the Chosen. It's time to move. Yeah, it's time to move. You're not the only one among the Chosen or something to that effect. It's something like that. I don't remember the exact wording. But the note was written by a woman, and he thinks it has to be a Maiden of the Spear. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know if it's because I think he's nuts that I just don't you trust You don't believe him. him? I don't believe him. Okay. Like, uh, n- you know, you're a murderer and now you're a handwriting expert? Nah. That's fair. Like, how do you know it was written by a woman? I don't know. And how do you know necessarily that it's Nail? So, I mean, it... Well, because that's like 90% of the people in the camp. He also <laughs> says something that it looks like the hand of an Aiel's. Mm. Which, that could easily be faked. Or the maybe the way the letters are made. Like, you can easily That's forge fair. that a little bit. And I don't really think Kadir's all that smart. So it could be another dark friend just making it look like it. He has I survived know. for a long time as a dark friend. Yeah, but I still And he makes a note that there are dark friends in every culture. We have not met a Maiden of the Spear that I would think is a dark friend. That's fair. And I feel like... If there was one that is a dark friend... They would have been introduced already. They would have been introduced already. Okay. It's not a new person. Okay. It doesn't it, it doesn't feel like Robert Jordan to not have already introduced her somehow. That's very fair. He's good at introducing someone and then later going, oh, by the way, they were a dark friend. Yeah, that is very true. You are correct. Okay. Yeah, so we Interesting. Got, we had, I think that was our first on-page murder of a person. Yeah. We've, we've had people killed in, like, combat... And we've we've had we've seen dead bodies, but we haven't actually seen on page someone like cold blooded murder, cold blooded murdered and then dismembered. Yeah, yeah, okay, interesting. Let's jump ahead to the naive stuff before we get into Rand, who yeah, would be next end. chronologically. But the naive stuff just there's not really all that much. Really, all we get from that is that 
She keeps getting into fistfights. All of the women of the circus love Val and Luca, and they're all jealous that he's spending so much time and energy on Nynaeve. So they keep fighting Nynaeve, which sounds like a mistake, because I'm sure Nynaeve knows how to throw down. Yeah, especially since she can't really channel right now. Right. Even if she could channel, she shouldn't channel. So she... She's using her fists, and she keeps getting into fist fights. She doesn't want this attention she's got from Val and Luca. Right, he's trying to put her. He's trying to like incorporate her in acts. He's putting her in like really revealing clothing as like a draw for the audience. And Tom's just throwing knives at her, which just is like the, the I act, do love that part. Yeah, the act that they got her to be a part of is to be like put up on a on a wall at, while Tom throws knives at her, and she's standing there like. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. You bastard. Don't hit me. It's like Tom. He's not going to. Tom. He's not going to hit he's you. He's not going to miss. And when she finally takes her blindfold off and she sees how dark it's gotten, she's like, only during the like broad daylight. And he's like, so I guess we're going to skip the part where I'm blindfolded. And it's just so funny. <laughs> Tom is the best. Tom is the best. I am very excited to see Hot Tom do that in the show. In my head, it's already Hot Tom. Yeah. That's fair. I, do, I never had an image for Tom before watching the, sh- watching the show. Yeah. And so now the Tom in this book is hot Tom, and I'm totally okay with it. That's fair. He's a bit younger. It would make much more sense for Elaine to flirt with him as hot Tom. Yeah, like I get that. Than as like 60-year-old man Tom. Honestly, like if he was, if he had the same vibes as hot Tom and was 60, I still get it. Yeah. Like, but also, don't do that, Elaine. He fucked your mom. I can get... I can get a little bit behind it if it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little. It's still weird. And it's still like some sort of Oedipal complex adjacent thing. But like, I get the instinct. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. We learn a couple of things. Rand has been going through on his threat to execute people. And speaking of flirting with Tom, she's no longer doing so and then pretending she never did. Yeah. Because Nynaeve's, like, saying, like, you know, oh, congrats on no longer inappropriately flirting with someone who (laughs) fucked your mom. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think he's a little old for you, but if you want to flirt with him, go ahead. She's just like... (laughs) Okay, Elaine, get your shit together. Which is why, why was that whole storyline? I don't know. If it's just going to be completely... no idea why. (laughs) Why? We spent so much time on it. It's happened over two books. Why? I don't get it. And it made it over halfway into this book. Yeah. It's wild. It is wild. There are whole plot lines that happen and then just stop in this series. And, like, at least it end, like there's closure to it. Yeah, the question is answered. I just don't like the answer. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. If I, if I could take certain things out of the series, I think that would be one of them. It's just unnecessary. <laughs> it is unnecessary. There are things that I don't like that I feel like might be necessary. Yeah, we don't. You don't have the whole picture. I don't yet. have the whole picture yet, but I think I can get to book fourteen and the prequel, and still stand by. This was unnecessary. Yeah, that's very, very, very fair. The other thing that we've been learning is Elaine is trying to replicate the Adam. She's been studying it a lot, and she thinks she's figured out how she can make it. And Nynaeve's like, "Why the fuck would you want to make it?" Fair question, Nynaeve. And she's like, "No, you don't get it." It's a Turing Rial. If I can make this one, I can make any. Right. And one of the things that she thinks is that the the like actual leash part is unnecessary. The the collar and the bracelet essentially force the It's a link. It's a forced the, link. Yeah, it's like a forced circle, but one person's in control. And she thinks the leash is superfluous. All you need is the bracelet and the collar. I mean, and I it just makes the whole thing even more fucked up because they put the leash on it simply. Well, they might not have known 
get rid of it. I think that even if they knew, they would keep it just because it's degrading. That's pretty fair. We don't know a ton of the history behind the atom yet. We and, learn, We actually do learn a little bit about the history of it. Because with an actual physical leash, they can't get too far away physically. Well, with the atom working normally, you could just cause them pain if they... You could give them an order to not leave, and then they won't. Yeah, I just think it has some sort of psychological it, it definitely, torture. Yeah, it's definitely meant to be, like, viscerally awful. Yeah, but she thinks she can make her angry all. Yeah. And, like, I can't tell if she is actually right or if she's being a little bit cocky. That is kind of a... Except with Nynaeve, it is kind of a running theme with the girls, where they are way more self-confident in their own abilities than they have demonstrated so far. Yeah, and I think that's a fault a little bit of how Robert Jordan writes female characters, is that all of them have this problem. If only one of them did, okay, that's a character. That's a character thing. This is clearly just a thing. It is, I think, especially acute with his channelers. Min doesn't have that problem. Morghese doesn't really have Min that has problem. a whole different problem Min right has a whole now, problem. which is I am obsessed with Rand yes. and I am over it. Yeah. Not the same problem. <laughs> uh, Moraine doesn't have that problem. Moraine is very aware of her own abilities. Yep. Swan is mostly aware of her own abilities. Mm. She she is not over she's not overconfident in an unfounded way. I do get her being more confident. Now she's a little overconfident. Now she is, but she's also getting put in her place and realizing she was overconfident until she had to deal with the the Saladar Aes Sedai. Yeah. Because even in there, she she offloaded stuff to Lyanna because she knew that if she said it, it wasn't going to work. So she was like, Lyanna, you have to say this or else I'm not going to get the, the right outcome. Yeah. Either way, Swan has a long history of being capable to draw on where I think you're right. The fault of of his writing for Elaine and Egwene and uh, to a lesser extent, Nynaeve, is that like there just really isn't a huge amount of like history there for them to believe that they are as capable as they are. Yeah. And I like <laughs> with certain things, I get it. Like I can see Elaine having more confidence in her ability to like teach Rand things, for example, like teach him how to lead yeah. and whatnot, because she's, you know, I'm putting it her, her at about 18. So she's got at least 10 years of working memory and knowledge of being taught these things. Yeah. I say that because I don't really have any memories before eight that are actually concrete. That's fair. So, but even still, she was learning those things before then. She might just not have an active actual, like, I can picture this memory of my mom teaching me a thing. Yeah. I, I will say that even even though that there is this fault, the kind of, I, I put Elaine about where I put Nynaeve most of the time. Nynaeve is generally speaking more confident in her abilities than she should be. The reason I think it's a little bit less bad with her is because she's older. And she try like she's like, I think I can do this, so I'm going to try. Not I can definitely do this. Yeah. And Elaine's like, I can definitely do this. And I think with Nynaeve, it's also, at least lately over the past couple of books, has been a coping mechanism for her. Yeah. So it's more understandable. Egwene is the worst at it. Egwene is just the and worst. And she's the, the, the this book. I think the the flaw in the writing that I find is that they are often just successful at it, right? They have these these 
thoughts that they can do things, and then they don't really struggle to accomplish them. They just kind of do them. Yeah, and and even if they accidentally do a thing, they can immediately figure out, oh, that's how I did that thing, and I'll just be able to do it again with no yeah. problem. I will the- say it doesn't. It doesn't hold up with Elaine and Nynaeve in the same way that it does with Egwene. Yeah, Egwene just, she can accidentally do something and then immediately immediately be able to do it again. And that's kind of why, like, Elaine, Egwene is just, Egwene's Taviran. I, I said it at the beginning of the series, and I think it was a good change that they made in the show. Egwene is Taviran. Yeah. Things work for her the same way they work for Rand. Although the show was trying to convince us that Nynaeve is... Yeah, and I don't like that. Is it Because they said four to Viren. They, say they five? said four, and then they said five. They're not very consistent with it, because oh, the show not is not very consistent. Um, Especially even with giving us a freaking release date. Hmm, yeah. Where is season two? Hopefully, we're, we're recording this episode way in advance. Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, we know when season two is. If it hasn't come out already, it, it won't have come out. This episode should be mid-March, mid-late March, but... Yeah, something around there. It's not... Season two is not going to be out. Unless, Hopefully, we know when it comes out by then. Unless they just don't even tell us a premiere date, and then all of a sudden, you log into Amazon, and it's just there. Honestly, I'd be for that. Just give me the, Just give me season two. I need season two. The Lord of the Rings show ended a while ago, and Amazon said they were holding off so that they could premiere the the new Lord of the Rings they show. They said in June of last year that we were going to get the Missing Two Origins bits in August. It is. It is February when we're recording this? Yep. Mm, that's not August. No, it's not. Reminds me of RuneScape when they said that the mobile app for RuneScape would be coming out in winter 2017, and then it came out in 2019, so. That's a thing that you just said. It is a thing I just said. I play RuneScape, sort of. I haven't logged on in forever. No, you haven't. I haven't seen the weird little uh, things. There's, like, bugs and stuff that you've attacked on RuneScape or something. I don't know. You have no idea what RuneScape is, do you? I don't. (laughs) It looked like weird medieval sims to me. That's fair. It's not, but that's fair. Anyway, let's talk about Rand. There's a lot of Rand stuff. There is. There's two sort of, there's plot stuff, and then there's there's Avienda stuff. So let's talk about all the plot stuff. Yeah. They're in Kyrian. They're like a couple days away from Kyrian now. Rand is looking out at a river. He has been tavirining about, and I think the maidens are starting to notice. (laughs) Yep, yep. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't try to explain it because he doesn't want to scare them. But he's been doing some things. He has been doing some things. He's just tavirning about. As he does. Uh, then the Tyrian lords come and yep. tell him that the Shido are attacking the city. Yep, and they have burned the fortgate down. But they're holding down the fort. Yeah, the so actual city itself has not fallen to the Shido. Just the fortgate. But they need some help. Y- well, uh, it's a whole. Clan of Aeel attacking Kyrian when Kyrian was already in disarray from Tom doing some regicide three books ago. I keep forgetting that Tom did a regicide. Hey, Tom did do a regicide. And so the Tyran lords and the Kyrian, they have some Kyrian lords. They're like, hey, we need help. And Rand's like, yeah, we're we're already on the way to do that. And then they swear fealty to him. And then someone tries to make a wager with him for, for like, something. like a cheap thousand gold. And he's like, I don't have a thousand gold. And the maidens are like, he'll make it ten. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? I, I do love the maiden Rand relationship. I really do. I really hope none of them are dark friends. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, so he learns that he has a 50th of the wealth of tier. The Aiel took the fifth, and as chief of chiefs, 
He gets a tenth of that. He gets a tenth of the fifth. And that's apparently how math works. That is how math works. It's true. I was very confused because I don't know how to do math. No. No math here. No math here. Just English. (laughs) Which is so weird because I sucked at English and anything... Yeah, I sucked at English too. Anything relating to a non-hard science... Which in is it's, high school. it's weird that I we're going off track again, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's weird that I sucked at English because like I loved reading. Me too. I, I had good reading comprehension. I just didn't want like I had to read like The Road in high school, and I hated that. And so I just didn't do any of the work around it. Or like I'd be reading something, and they'd be like, "Now, what do you think the symbolism behind the purple curtains are?" Mm-hmm. I don't know. He likes purple. purple curtain. He that's his favorite color. Oh, I'm moving on. That's it's not my favorite color. I don't believe you. <laughs> Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> you own nothing purple. That's true. Except the blanket I got you for Christmas, because apparently purple is your favorite color. Yep. Completely off track. Let's go back to Rand again. Let's go back to Rand again. So they have a wager with some lords. He learns that the fifth applies to him, and the maidens say something about, like, they try to relate it to a tax, and they don't like using that word because they don't necessarily they don't think... like have taxes. No. And then he has a thought that tax lessons from Elaine would be a lot more fun. And he's right. He, they would be. Yeah. Make out in a corner, discuss tax policy. I'd be much more willing to learn more about taxes if it came along with a make out session in do a dark we, corner with Elaine. Do we need to find a hotter accountant? <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to make out with an account. <laughs> anyway. No, I get it, though. This is just, I think Elaine is hot. Y- yeah. 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 She's got spunky redhead vibes. I am for it. <laughs> yeah. I love me a spunky redhead. Speaking of a different spunky redhead, we're, we're going to skip ahead. There, there's a town. They stay in the town. Whatever. It's it's a Kyrian in town. They've Ray does uh, call, claim where he is sleeping as the roof of the Wine Spring Brothers to keep the maidens out, which is yep. so funny to me. Yep. Because clearly Matt's not staying there because he's got a maiden he wants to fuck. So yep. it's just him and apparently Avienda because he walks in on her naked. Yep. And she freaks out. She's like, I didn't plan this. And then opens a portal and nopes yep. off into a blizzard. This is the second form of traveling we've seen, which is pretty notable. We've seen skimming, which is what ranted at the end of book four. This is a full on actual step through it. You're in another place portal. And he hasn't been able to figure out how to do that. Yep. And he still can't because this is Sidar. And so he's just like, I guess I'm following, following naked Avienda into the middle of a fucking blizzard. Yeah. It's, a, it's a blizzard. It's blowing through. He like grabs some blankets. And, and her clothes. And her clothes. And, like, channels a block on the gateway, which astounds Asmodian later, because he's like, I didn't know you could do that. Like, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. You know, Rand doing Taviran things. Yep. Again, it makes sense for Egwene to be Taviran because she does shit like that. Yeah. It, it makes sense for Rand. Who's to say how much of that isn't, like... Because he's the Taviran of Taviran. He yes. is the chief of chiefs, <laughs> Taviran of Taviran. He is Jesus Christ. King of Kings. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so they, they go through a blizzard, and uh, Avienda falls into a frozen lake. As one does. It's a frozen mountain lake. <laughs> They're on a mountain range. Oh, land. And uh, he gets her out, and she's, like, unconscious cold, like, blue lips freezing. And he's like, fuck, she's going to die if I don't strip naked and, and cuddle with her for warmth. And that is what you're supposed to do. He is correct. Yeah. It also... He can channel. Uh, oh, actually, that there's a good reason why he does it, too, which I love about this scene. He, like, channels to make an igloo, and 
He's like, I could channel to make her warm. But I but might set her on fire. It's it, I, I could either channel into her, but as Modian says, that that'll probably, like, it, it's either not going to do enough or kill her. Yep. Or I could channel to warm the space that we're in, but then the igloo would melt and we'd be exposed to the elements. Time for some naked cuddling. He is correct. He's, that is how you're supposed to survive. That's why I like this scene, that's because it, it it's logical. It makes sense. It's not... It's not simply only one bed because right. it needs to have, to, so that they have... The, the sex. It, it doesn't it's, only happen because the plot demands it to happen. It's only one igloo because it makes sense. Right. And I think this is... I, I'm going to go ahead and say that only one igloo is a new trope. <laughs> and it's sure. a variation of only one bed. Yeah. And it has the, it has the same vibes as only one bed. Yeah. And you got to... It cut. definitely does. You, there's only one bed. You got to sleep in it together. There's... You got to cuddle for warmth. Yeah. And then, and then she, you gotta have some good igloo sex. And then she wakes up and she's like, I'm not gonna... He's like... She, he, like, he gets in next to her. And he's, like, talking to her, trying to get... And he's, he's, like, he's, he's trying to distract himself. He's like, get your mind out of the gutter, Rand. Right. And then she starts to wake up and starts moving. And, and he's, he's like, like, oh, fuck. And <laughs> he's like, don't do that again. What the fuck? I'd miss you. And yeah. he's like, I'd miss you? Where is this coming from? And then she's like, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm just, whatever I saw in the rings, I'm just, fuck it. I'm going to accept it. And then then kisses the fuck out of him. Yeah, because she basically, at least the way it reads to me, is she's like, I'm going to get this out of my system. We're going to have a good hump, and then we're going to be, and then it's done. And I get her instinct that that might work. However, she said something about the rings, and I'm going to go ahead and guess that whatever she saw in the rings wasn't them having a one-night stand in an igloo and calling it a day. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm just going to go ahead and say that the rings didn't show her some sort of future this smut is... scene of herself and yeah. then have it be a one-off. Weirdly, this would be the second time... If, if that is actually what happened, as is very strongly hinted, this is the second time the rings have shown somebody getting with Rand. Like, First Moraine and now Avienda. If that's the case, and I don't think it is, I think the rings showed them in more of a relationship, and so she's just trying, she's like, all right, I guess that if, if we're in a relationship, we gotta be fucking... So maybe this will yeah maybe well, this will conflict. satisfy the rings yeah and there's conflict there too because she's close with Elaine yep and you know later sweet summer boy Rand is like well we have to get married now yep and I love that <laughs> I just love it so much and she pulls out the Uno reverse card of all Uno reverse cards which is according to your own culture we can't get married for at least a year and according to mine I have to be the one to propose so maybe I'll propose in a year but I'm not going to because this isn't going to happen again. Yeah, she's like, it all cancels out. Pretty much. She's like, I'm combining both of our cultures because that's what would happen if we got married. And they cancel each other out. We can't get married. We're not allowed to. Yeah, pretty much. She's like, I'd have to ask you, but I'd also have to ask your father for permission. And your Aiel father is dead. And we don't, you don't have one. Right. (laughs) For my culture's sake and yours. uh, Yeah, she's. It's, it's well done. And then she compliments his ass as he's getting dressed, yep. and it flusters him, and I just love it. Yep. Like, it is implied that, like, they had a good time. Yeah. She's, like, lounging there naked and warmed up again. Yep. And he's just like, what just happened? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm willing to bet Avienda has some experience. Yeah, she's, she's a not a virgin. No. she Yeah, she, she's a maiden. She knows what she's about with Spears. 
and uh, and probably other maidens because yep. the, the maidens have have all of them except for Melindra. Really, all have big bi vibes. Oh no, Melindra has bi vibes, and I don't know. Does if that, she? I don't know if that's simply because in my head, her and Matt are bi for bi. I I never picked. I never really picked that up. Yeah, I never really picked that up. I think I just am assuming everyone in the series is gay. That's it, fair. It makes it more fun for. For a series written by a straight white man in the 90s, it's real gay. Yeah. And for a series that isn't very gay, it's real gay. <laughs> real gay. But yeah, they, they, they have, have a good old time. They I've, have some fun times in an igloo. I think that tracks. I think Rand would be a very quick study. Yeah. And, you know. I think because he's, he's eager to understand what's happening. He uh, Something tells me that two things also help. Tavirin. <laughs> Tavirin. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> he the knows pattern... the Tavirinness in him makes him know where North Harbor is. <laughs> no, that's not how it would work. The Tavirinness in him would make it so that wherever he goes, that's where North Harbor is. Yeah. <laughs> that's our that's where it always was. <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking two things. One, um the flame and the void is probably a very useful trick when having sex. Yeah, because he's, he's kind of in the flame and the void when they're you having can, sex. Yeah. You you lose yourself to it. Yep. And he's just not thinking. No yep. thoughts, just vibes. No thoughts, just vibes. And speaking of maybe literal vibes, sighting. I wonder, now, see, he said those words in combination, and now I'm wondering, are there <laughs> one-powered sex toys? <laughs> probably. They're probably very dangerous if you're not from the age of legends. Yeah. And know how to use them. Because, like, or, you just, know, they could probably be misused very easily. Or, like, we saw things in museums from the Age of Legends that are modern things, yeah, like a Mercedes, a Mercedes logo. Definitely, so, definitely a Mercedes and not a Mitsubishi. Because <laughs> Will Smith knows cars. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> just like a, like a vibrator. Yeah. It's a museum in Tanchico. I'm just imagining some vibrator sitting next to a Mercedes belt buckle uh, or hood ornament thing. And you you know that fucking plastic never degrades, so there's just like a full-on dildo. <laughs> just like hanging out it's, in Tanchico. Especially silicone does it really. Oh my god. Yeah. Just a very lifelike phallic object sitting next to a Mercedes car hood ornament. Yep. In Tanjiko. Yep. That is a headcanon that is now confirmed in my head. Sure. That is that is not just a headcanon, that is straight up canon. <laughs> sure, I guess. Uh but yeah, they, they don't spend a whole bunch of time in the igloo and Well no they do because when they get out of the igloo it is morning. Yeah, they spend the night in the igloo. That's a whole lot of time. Yeah. Rand doesn't know how much long how long they were in the igloo because he That's lost true. track of time. He did lose track of time. And they get out of the igloo and the blizzard's done. But And there's like a dragon flying around. That's just- that's basically what I assume it is. There's something flying around. With people on it. Yep. At first I was like, wings, oh no, drag car. And then I was like, people are on it. That's not... It's not really a drag car. I'm going to assume dragon? Uh, It is a specific creature that we learn a little bit more about later. All right, for now it's a dragon. Yeah, And sure. there's some people riding on a dragon. And, they're and like, they oh. are Shan-Chan. Yep, because they're in Shan-Chan. <clears throat> yep. Avienda accidentally wove a gateway into Shan-Chan. It's a bad place to be. Yikes. And they were basically, the Damane sensed 
Actually, it's not even the Demonic. The Soldom sensed the gateway. Yep. And clearly they have been Soldom for a while because they're like, yeah, we knew that this was happening. Hmm. I wonder if they can channel. Yeah, and that's what Aviander's like, they can channel too. Yep. And so the Sean Chan are there. Aviander and Rand, like, sneak up on them, take them by surprise. They, like, interrogate them for a little bit. Rand, like, weaves all of them in, in flows of air and holds them. And, and Avienda shields them. Yeah. As they're trying to sneak through the sand and Avienda's like dragging them behind so he just like scoops her up into his arms and carries her. And yeah. She's like, N-. she's not happy about it but it makes sense. <laughs> she's wearing a skirt. She's wearing a skirt and she's like, damn it. It's like a foot of snow. Yeah. And so he's just like carrying her about and she shields them. Yep. And, and they get worried when they get to the gateway because there's like a gray, like gray static on the other side of the gateway. He's like, oh shit. He thinks it's trapped. Yeah, he knows that it's a weave of Sidene. He can he can see it. He just can't see what it does, and he thinks it's a trap, and that has to be one of the Forsaken. Yes, and I mean he's not. It is one. It of the is Forsaken. one of the Forsaken. It's just not a trap. Right, and so they're like interrogating the the Shan Chan, and there's some talk about the Koran, and, and they've been called off, but they might come back. Yeah, the whatever their return thing of trying to seize the world has been called off for now. Yeah. And then Avian, he has Avian to try to free the Demone, and it doesn't work. Yeah, because he he tries to, like, reach for the collar, and they, like... It, like, shocks him. Yeah, it shocks him, it shocks them, they're in a lot of pain. And he's like, okay, I, obviously I can't touch it, Avian, you do it. And she can't figure out how to do it. And right. And they just need to get out of there, because yeah. the portal's starting to close. Yeah, the portal has been closing the whole time. Whatever Rand did to hold it open isn't fully effective. Yeah. Which, yeah, gateways are hard things to hold open. And especially, it's a gateway being held open from a different side of the one power. So Yeah, there there is some of that and he also tied those weaves off. So he's not maintaining them. Right. Cuz when he sh- when he he didn't shield the Shanta when he tied them up, he holds those weaves. Yeah. So they stay as strong cuz he can kind of re-up them. Yeah. And well, it's less that he doesn't re-up them, it's just they never start to decay. <clears throat> okay. Um they're held in stasis because he can he's actively doing yeah. it. And and when he goes through, he he lets the weave go, and one of the Shan Chan like patrol people throws a spear at him, but the gateway snaps shut and cuts it. Yeah. And he knows that it's the clean. Like if you didn't know that it was cut, you wouldn't know that it was cut. It just entirely cleanly sheared it. It just looks like it was supposed to be a short spear. Right. And so he decides to keep it as a reminder that the Shan Chan are going to be a problem eventually. Fair. And on the other side of the gateway is Asmodian, who he's real pissed at for some... Rand needs to cut Asmodian a little bit of slack. Asmodian saved his ass here. Yeah. He's like, I sensed the gateway. I ran here, saw y'all were missing. Right. The maidens tried to come up, and I stopped them, saying that you and Avienda were getting at it. Which, I mean... It's not wrong. It's not wrong. They were. And... And the maidens probably loved that. Yeah. They were, like, down there banging They're gonna, spears and yeah. making a lot of noise, cheering them on, which just, I love that so much. I just yep. love the maidens. I really don't want one of them to be a dark friend. <laughs> we'll see. And so as Asmodian's like, I hid the yeah. gateway for you. Yeah, Rand needs to cut him a little slack. Just still, I mean, he is still one of the Forsaken and still probably needs to die. But not right now. Yeah, he's still got shit to teach Rand, and he's, like, And he's like, you it. didn't tell me that we could hide gateways, so you're going to... He basically yeah. tells Asmodian, you're going to tell me two things I didn't ask you every yeah. time we have one of these lessons. Well, it's less that he hid the gateway. It's just he wove like an invisibility thing. He's like, yeah, you didn't tell me that that was a thing. Yeah, Asmodian's like, you didn't ask. And so, so you are to tell me two things I didn't ask about every time. Yep. Which, which yeah. Yeah. 
Good shit, Rand. Good shit. He, that's the right level of stern that he needs to take, which is like, you're going to teach me and you're going to not hold anything back. Yeah. And you're also not going to do suspicious shit. And maybe you shouldn't have been sleeping with Isendra. Listen, he wasn't actually giving her any information and she's a dark friend. That's I, true. He wasn't compelling her, so I don't have to feel. Oh, yeah. I don't have to feel bad. Yeah. They were just having weird. Who knows? Motiva- weird motivated, weirdly <laughs> motivated sex. That's all that was happening. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, apparently Ascender's hot, so. Uh, yeah. Or at least was before every bit of hair got shaved off of her. Honestly, Kadir says you could, your head's a pretty shape. Like, yeah, except could... she probably also didn't have eyebrows. Yeah, once the, but eyebrows, <laughs> eyebrows go back faster. They do. He does say, he's like, if he does mention that she could have pulled off being bald, especially yeah. around the Aiel. Right. Because a lot of them keep their hair short. Right. Like, but she was just done. Yeah. She wasn't going to do it anymore. Nope. No. And yeah, I guess, uh, and she's no, especially no longer pretty nope. because she's been dismembered. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do some recurring segments. So we've talked about just about everything. Yes. So first up, weird prophetic auras. We've got new auras. We do. And like good ones. Yeah. I need to add them to my list. Yeah. The bull with the roses. Because that you... I need to figure out what it is. I am going to assume it has something to do with Morgays. Yeah, because the, it's the, like, white rose of Andor or whatever. Yeah, just anything with a rose, I assume, it has yeah. something to do with Andor. A bull. Bulls are strong. Bulls are... I'm trying to remember. There's... I have to look that one up and, and see if that's something that we... It's just, like, if it's maybe just background information. Because some of men's visions are background information. Yeah, so it could... I don't... It has something to do with Morgays. That's all I have. Yeah. There's probably some sort of imagery that he's the bull because bulls are strong Maybe and in charge I, I, yeah. of things. And, and he had, it was like a crown of roses around his neck. And so he's it ripping could be, them away from yeah, his neck. Yeah, so it could be him, like, breaking free of, like, Morghese's influence because the couple of sections that we've had in his POV in the past have been him obsessing over Mara, but also him trying to forget about Morghese. And so it could be symbolic of him trying, getting over it. Yeah, trying to get over it. And I hope that he doesn't get over it too hard because I like them together. And after everything is resolved. Bryn and Morghese? Yeah. Okay. I think I think Bryn is the best for her out of... That's true. Out of the people. Yeah. He was devoted to her. Mm-hmm. He didn't pull some shady shit like Tom. Yeah. Like Even know. if Tom's was understandable. Yeah, Tom's was understandable, but for her, like, I can still see it being a red flag and a deal breaker. Yeah. Not a red flag for one person isn't necessarily a red flag for another person. I hope Tom finds the person for whom his yeah. things aren't red flags. And who doesn't get murdered. <laughs> but for Morgays, they were red flags, and that's fair. But Brent didn't have any red flags. Not really. Not for her. No. They, sh- they were made to be red flags, but that's because... They were red flags for Gabriel. They were red flags for, for Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. So I want them to be happy. Yeah. And then the other vision is relatively straightforward. It's less a a prophetic aura of like, what does this mean? It's more like, how is this going to happen? Yeah, that one I'm not really calling an aura as much as a thing to figure in the sense of I have to figure out what this means and when it'll happen. This is just, I kind of think of it as more of a prophecy. Well, all of them are prophecies in a way. But... Like, all the stuff, all the prophecies around the dragon I haven't been really writing down because it kind of is what it says in Latin. Yeah. 
And this this one is it is what it says on the tin. Yeah. This is just new information. If they get too far away from each other for too long, they're gonna die. If not, they won't. Like and some to some extent the same thing with Matt's vision gateway things. Like you know, you're gonna go to Roydian. It is what it says on the tin. Right. He goes to Roydian. Yeah. But we'll just have to keep an eye out for that for like, is this the event that would have killed them? Yeah. Or do they die? (laughs) I hope not. Totally like fair. Yeah. I think Swan is going to die. I'm I've resigned to at some point. Swan's like, going to die. Swan's going to die. Yeah. Whether it's she's killed before the last battle, in the last battle, or afterwards. Okay. I. You, you think eventually being stilled is going to catch up to her? Yeah. Okay. I think not even Swan can escape that. I don't think Liana's going to be able to escape it entirely either. I think. That's fair. I think her lifespan has been cut I mean, shorter. We've seen that with. Logan, where Logan kind of found some strength, but now he's fading real fast. And so I think that, you know, Liana will be able to find strength places, but her lifespan has been cut short because she's been stilled. She certainly, at, at best, has a normal lifespan, or at least a normal lifespan given what her biological age is now. I don't even think she has, like, a normal life. Like, I, say, I'm talking about at best. Say someone lives to 80 uh-huh. in this world. Uh-huh. Biologically speaking, sure. I think she's maybe going to make it to sixty, and that's yeah. That's what's gonna. Yeah, I, I'm saying at best she could live if she's supposed to be like eighteen, looking eighteen twenty now. At best, she could hope for eighty. In reality, probably not because she's been stilled. Yeah, if she had just somehow <laughs> turned to be twenty, or if she had never become an Aes Sedai, right? She would have lived to be eighty, and that's the best she could hope for. But... Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, what about ship updates? It's kind of a big one. I mean... This is the ship update section. We have officially gotten almost two chili peppers. Almost. It does fade to black. It gets, like, real close. There's some wiggling. There, it's, it's, it's a true fade to black. It's not, like, there are some scenes where it's, like, there's describing of feelings, and you know that the... The sex is currently happening. There's just no physical description of what's happening. It's just like an internal monologue. Uh-huh. And I also consider that fade to black. But this one, there's a clear time shift. He's like, I no longer know what time it is. And then now, after the thing is done, we yeah. don't get any while it's happening. There's yeah. like a paragraph break, fade to black, and then we pick back up. Which I appreciate. <laughs> this is not a series that needs explicit sex in on page. Agreed, you would appreciate disagree. it. <laughs> I don't think it needs it. And there, there is a story. I think I, I've told you, and I don't remember if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but one of the things that Robert Jordan was asked to write before he wrote The Wheel of Time was a bodice ripper. And he ended up writing a really awful thing about a duck, apparently, according to the origins of The Wheel of Time. You can get it now, right? I can. I would. It would be not your traditional bodice ripper. It would no. be. It would be a fade to black. I don't like the term, but this is the term that the romance community uses for fade block romances. It would be a clean romance. Sure. Maybe. I think he could write it. I don't want to read the <laughs> be way too descriptive. I don't need it to be that descriptive. Nope. But he's got the leading up to stuff. He's got like the, yeah. the push and the pull and the pining and the <clears throat> and the banter. Yep. And yeah. he's got the like resolution on the other side of it too. Yeah. I, of course, would like the bit in the middle. Yeah. But I that's fair. like spicy romance, so. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. eventually I'll be able to read fan fiction, and that's where I'll get the... That's true. I'll get the smut eventually. Yeah, that's very true. Or maybe I'll have to write it. Or maybe you'll have to write it. I, I don't think there's a ton of Wheel of Time fan fiction out there. There's not, and 
I can go ahead and guess that most of it's not between canon relationships because that's typically how fan fiction goes. So that's fair. Not a lot of people write canon ships. There aren't a ton of like good non-canon ships for the Wheel of from Time. From the cursory look that we did on AO3, there's a lot of Matt and Rand. There's a lot of Matt and Rand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> I like. Yeah. Just in terms of how shipping works in fandoms, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I that's it, fair. I'll probably read it. I don't like... Yeah, I'll probably read it. That's fair. It's there. Sure. Last recurring segment. Favorite moments. What's your favorite moment? Is that even a question? Not really. It's a rhetorical question. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's Obviously. the igloo sex. <laughs> no, it's the stuff with the Shantan. Yeah, it's the igloo oh, sex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I didn't was... even really read the Shantan stuff afterwards because <laughs> to... I was just so focused on... Yeah. <laughs> sex <laughs> that's fair i was gonna say that was my favorite part but then you reminded me of the bit where the maidens are like he'll bet ten thousand. <laughs> that's that's my favorite part that's fair the 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 random avienda stuff in the igloo is fun and i i like that it happened and you know it, i like that it didn't take as long as it could have right he could have stretched that out for the rest of this book and made it happen in the next book real easily it's still, I'm still going to classify this as a slow burn. Well, it happens just, over like a book and a half. And it hasn't been resolved yet. It hasn't been resolved we yet. We haven't, we've, this is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> They're in an the igloo. The top of the igloo? This is at the top of the igloo. Okay. Yeah, but but anyway, so my favorite part is actually the, the maidens just kind of like one-upping the Kyrianen because it's Rand. Yeah. Like we can't let Rand look poor to these fucking tree killers. No, and I do love that. Yeah. I just love the maidens. Great. I really don't want them to be dark friends. Well, not all of them would be. That would be nuts. Can you imagine? I don't want any of them If to a be whole in. society, the society that Rand was birthed from turned out to all be dark friends, that would be a fucking insane twist. That's some Taviran shit. That is some Taviran shit. <laughs> I did have a theory. It could be that one of the Shido is trying to convince Kadir that the maidens... Trying to cause some discord? He's trying to... They're trying... Like, there okay. is a dark friend in the Shido trying to sow some discord for Rand. Okay. Okay. I can I can get behind that. I know what happens. That's the podcast. That would get with the female... Because there are female Shido with, mm-hmm. attacking and doing the things. Yeah, they're, they're Shido maidens. Yeah. So, they could be... that They are a maiden of the spear. Yep. It could just not be Rand's maidens. That's true. I don't want Rand's maidens... To be dark friends. Very, very fair. Any other maidens, I don't care. Sure. It could be one of the Shido. I'd actually prefer that because then... <laughs> They're already kind of dicks. Yeah, they, all of them need to go. Yeah. None of them can stay. That's very, You very picked fair. a bad person to follow. Yes. Yes, they did. Now, Ruark is going to spear you. Yep. Alrighty. This was chapters 27 through 33. Next section, we will be reading chapters 34 to 39. Bye. Bye.